Hello and welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia Wirth, your host, a registered dietitian in New Haven, Connecticut. And today I'm so excited to welcome Nina Gilbert to the podcast. She is a licensed clinical social worker, um, a therapist in a private practice. She mostly works with eating disorder patients and couples. Um, And I actually met her like the first couple months into starting my own private practice because um, she wanted to refer a client and we went out to coffee. Well, I got tea. She got coffee (laughs) and had um, a really good discussion. And she has been one of my number one referrals both to her and I get referrals from her for like over three years now. She has so much wisdom to share when it comes to eating disorders, especially for parents to understand how to really be that firm support that someone going through eating disorder recovery needs, as opposed to, you know, a friend or um, a confidant, you know, that the parent role is different. It's hard. It's challenging. And she has so much wisdom to share. So really excited for you to hear from her today. Uh, But before that, we'll hear a word from our sponsor. Today, our episode is sponsored by the Parent Support Winter Speaker Series at Worth Your While Nutrition and the February 23rd session in particular. This session is going to be led by Danielle Marriott. She's a therapist specialized in eating disorders, and it's going to be focusing on that intersection between a child and an adult and how do you continue to support and be you know a you know the the parent role for a child who is technically an adult you know 18 plus everything changes legally at that point and it's a really fascinating and interesting topic um super challenging so if you have a kid that's getting close or just past that 18 year mark this is the session for you you can register by sending an email to worth, W-E-R-T-H, yourwildnutrition at gmail.com or check out our website, worthyourwild.com. Um, hope to see you there. Hi, Nina. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you. Yeah. So could you tell my listeners a little bit about you? Just like your name. What do you do? Sure. So I'm Nina Gilbert and I'm in LCSW. I've been a therapist for about a little over 10 years and have spent a chunk of that time working at um, IOPs and PHPs for eating disorder treatment like Walden and Renfrew. Mm-hmm. And then when I opened my private practice a couple years ago, I now work a lot with um, patients recovering from eating disorders. So that is a passion of mine and something I know a lot about. And I'm so excited to be talking to you today about it. Yeah. How did you first get into working with eating disorders? Because it's kind of like a a niche that a lot of people are really scared of. So I'm interested in how people got into it. Yeah. Um, my first couple of years after grad school, I worked at Catholic Charities doing sort of more mm-hmm. general counseling. And I started doing yoga classes. I became a teacher um, that were really body focused and were really helping people get in touch with their body. And it was sort of meant to be more therapeutic. So I got contacted by the Renfrew Center asking if I'd like to come in for an interview. For yoga or for a therapist? They were interested in um, having a therapist who knew about yoga and could teach classes um, as part of, you know, an offering to the program. And 
women's issues have just always been really, really important to me, which includes a lot about talking about like the objectification of women and women's relationships to their bodies and the society and the pervasiveness of diet culture that, you know, really promotes a lot of fat phobia, which affects everybody. So when I started working at the Renfrew Center, I just really fell in love with the work and I was really, really inspired by the resilience of the women I worked with who mm-hmm. tended to be the most accomplished, intelligent, outgoing, <laughs> social, yeah. like wonderful people who were just really plagued by this pretty terrible illness. Mm-hmm. And um, I just continued to work in that field for years and years and years. And I still am amazed that of all of the mental illnesses that could be out there, of all the diagnoses people could have, the women, and I should say men, but predominantly women I see yeah. who have eating disorders are so incredibly high functioning. Yeah. Like they're so incredibly, you know, successful in school and with their families and they're doing this amazing life while carrying around all of this suffering. So mm-hmm. there's no other thing I can think of anxiety, depression, you know, OCD, any of that stuff where people are completely out of commission, but eating disorders are such a unique and like sort of I want to say special although that's not the right word but the population yeah yeah, the the population of people are just like so phenomenal and so that's kind of how my my career progressed yeah it's actually really interesting you mentioned that they're pretty high functioning because I think that's one of the reasons that parents often don't notice them right so Mm -hmm. like this is predominantly geared towards parents and caregivers. And I think so many times it takes either a really um, intense medical situation, like going to the hospital or an appointment where your heart rate is like in the forties or something, or the child or teen or adult, like coming to their parents saying like, I have an issue for it to get addressed. Has that been like your experience with that? Yeah, definitely. I think like people reach a crisis point where like it just can't be ignored by the people around them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it can be really hard to grapple with the severity if somebody is like really engaged in their life. And then all of a sudden their doctor says like, you have to go to the emergency room. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's like with depression, you picture, and this is not all the time, but like you picture, you know, the person in the room, like not doing well, right. Like withdrawn, And so like getting help makes sense, but Mm -hmm. it's so hard to pull. Like I'm thinking of this one client I have and it's like pulling her from racing and swimming and school and all these things that she's been doing at an incredible level because like she honestly is so ill, Um, but no one apart from her doctors and like now her parents, like, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. So that's tough to notice it. But I'm wondering, like, for you with patients, what's, like, the biggest things you feel like parents don't understand a lot of times? Um, I think it's really hard for parents to understand that this is not a logical disease. <laughs> Just eat. Just, yeah, that it's, it's, like, your kid is doing all of these amazing things. Like, why are they not computing that they need to have food? And why can they not feed themselves, which is such a basic human need and such a basic factor of self-care. Like why can they study for hours and hours 
some really hard subject, but they can't make themselves a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and sit down and have it. Right. So I, I think parents get really stumped around like why this is so, so difficult. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the biggest. And I think like patients themselves, like kids and adults also, it's sort of like, why can't I get myself to do this? But I can't. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense to anybody. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think with parents, for me, it depends on the age of the kid. But if we're talking like teens, you know, they're still mm-hmm. at home, they're not an adult, like quote unquote an adult yet or anything. Um, I see like parents go in like three directions. Like either they're like, I am going to solve this, right? And they try to do everything for their kid. Mm-hmm. They, or I see them be like, I'm going to be my kid's best friend and sort of become the eating disorders best friend, right? And mm-hmm. almost like subvert therapy and whatever else they're doing in treatment or there's like this kind of middle ground that we need but it's really hard to find of like you push your kid but also they talk to you and like how how do we get parents there because that's what I'm trying to do and I don't know (laughs) (laughs) so like so Julia to like the how do they like support and encourage yeah like what is that line right because you're say you're in a family session as a parent and it's going to be FBT or whatever. And mm-hmm. you're told, okay, you need to plate all your kids' meals and make them eat all these things and, you know, make sure they're having snacks and, and meals and not exercising. It's like almost you're their caregiver at, mm. as for like an elderly person or something. Right. Yeah. But also they're not an elderly, like how, how do you get them I don't know. Like I'm trying to, you know, so my, my thoughts are two things. One, this is where parents have to be very clear and Mm -hmm. very consistent about boundary setting. Yeah. And that will mean that the parent will have to tolerate an incredible amount of distress and anger and hatred from their kid and rejection, which I think is incredibly painful. You know, mm-hmm. I love my kid and they're telling me I'm ruining their life. Mm-hmm. They are telling me I don't get it. They're telling me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. What, you know, when I'm just trying to do what this therapist is saying, but like, does this therapist really know? Because I know. it's kind yeah. of special. So maybe this therapist doesn't really get my kid. That right. I, right. I think that parents have to be really steadfast in understanding that eating disorders are really not special and that their kid is unique. But on a very basic level of like eating food, the strategy is pretty much the same for everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and so I think that the parents really need to be clear with like, what is their approach going to be that is in line with what the nutritionists and the therapists are saying? Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to hold the line like to the max because mm-hmm. their kid will <laughs> find every way right. to manipulate and push and delay. Yeah. And I don't need to, and I had one, why do I need two? And, yeah. you know, and <laughs> yeah. what, what I think is really necessary, which is really hard is boundary setting means reinforcement often mm-hmm. in a negative way by taking away something or prohibiting something, or you cannot go to practice. You cannot be on the basketball team. You cannot have your phone you know, you, you, you can like whatever. Exactly. Like just, and, and that for a teenager is going to seem like their life is over. Mm-hmm. So they're going to respond as if their parent is basically murdering them. And mm-hmm. the parent is going to be freaked out. 
And yeah. so like, there's also, and I love that you have this group because the parents need so much support from other parents to yeah. be like, this is insane. Like, is my kid, (laughs) you know, is my kid ever going to get over it? And from working with adults, you know, young, like, you know, in their college age, twenties, and sometimes into their thirties, even what I hear so much is I wish my mom, and it's predominantly the moms, which we could be a whole other podcast would have (laughs) made me do X would have made me go to treatment, would have made me go to therapy, would have sat with me and really forced me to eat this stuff. Mm -hmm. And because when parents sort of negotiate or too soft, it just continues the eating disorder and eating disorders Mm -hmm. are chronic and progressive. And so Mm -hmm. you're like, you know, you're basically playing into making it worse, Mm -hmm. just to be blunt. And later when your kid is older and they're still suffering or they start to get better, they will realize, oh my God, some mm-hmm. of this is actually my mom's fault. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is yeah. terrible to say, like, it's no one's fault. We shouldn't place blame, but there are ways. But things contribute. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. So yeah. that, that there is, you know, your kid will get older and they will have realizations and insights mm-hmm. and they will feel, and I can guarantee you this, that thank God my parent was a hard ass. Yeah. But you know, in the moment, that's very, very, very hard. So that's, I think like, if you, you're not going to be the friend, you're not going to be the, oh my God, let's like, you know, we'll sit for an hours. And I know it's so tough. And like, maybe we could, you said you couldn't have your friends over, but maybe you can have one friend, you know, I really want to, and I totally get that because it's out of, so much love Uh but it's like I and I'll say this the way I practice as a therapist is I'm not like a gushy gooey huggy like soft like we're gonna just make you I'm sort of like you're in denial you're gonna die this is a major problem (laughs) yeah and like let's look at it and to be honest my patients really respect that no I can work with that uh, like I have three thoughts that I wrote down like yeah the first, just based off what you just said, I will never forget, um, you know, uh, Sarah Gersha, a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, she was telling her patient who became my patient, like, okay, I have like two dietitian recommendations for you. Like one is like really nice and like going to hold your hand through all of it and, you know, help you. And one's going to be kind of mean and push you a lot, but like, I think you'll do better. And like, that was me. <laughs> this is true. It's a hundred percent true. Like I am kind of mean and I am very sarcastic. And like, that's just, I have found to be more effective, like with patients than, you know, being like, oh, it's okay. You didn't have the carrots. Like, no, I'm not okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, and I think, oh yeah, yeah. Going, Julia, tell me your, So the the two things I thought when you were talking is like, you respect the parent who's harder, just like you respect the teacher in school who had like strict rules and was like harder on you. And you know, that first week of school, you're like, oh my God, I hate this person. They're like smacking the ruler on my desk and like all this stuff. But then you're like, I learned so much in that class. You know, like you always think back to that. Mm -hmm. And then also now as a mom of a toddler, I feel like eating disorders, the kids become toddlers again. Oh yeah. Um, The same behaviors at mealtimes, like the same behaviors at not mealtimes, you know, like the meltdowns and everything. 
and in every parenting book about toddlers, it's like, don't give in, right? Cause mm-hmm. like, even if you, you know, if it makes that minute better, like you, you pick them up and you give them the lollipop or whatever it is that they want, like it makes that minute or day better. It, they're going to keep doing it and they're not going to be the kind of kids you want to have. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true of eating disorders too. For Yeah, for sure. And I want to clarify too, because I, I think you are, you mean what I mean. Like I'm yeah. really talking about assertiveness, right? right. Like I'm not saying, me. Me. like not it's not yeah. like out of cruelty or to no. induce pain. It's really like mm-hmm. not aggressive, not like F you sit down, eat your food. Like yeah. that's it. No, but that. like, yeah. like a really centered assertiveness of like, I'm the adult. Like, I know. Yeah. Like I can make decisions in your best interest. Mm-hmm. And like, we trust your team, which is a big thing too. Yeah. And I've also had parents blame me fine. Like right. outsource the, you know, Nina me, said, yeah, we're yeah. going to do it, Nina said, you know, yeah. fine. Like make me the bad guy. That's, that's it. But like you're, you're the parent is a part of the treatment team. Right. And they, they can like, in some ways, I think outsource that, like, it's not me who's telling you, you need to do this. Yeah, like, just like my mom <laughs> always used to be like, oh, tell your friends, like, I won't let you go. If like, I didn't want to go to something, right. Like just say, well, the dietitian's making you do this. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Like we, we are listening to the experts who know mm-hmm. what they're doing. And I also, you know, when I say your kid's eating disorder isn't special, that's good news. That's good news. Yeah, because- it is. There's like the broken bone, right? Or any of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, a broken leg gets treatment just like anybody else's broken. It's, it's like, it's good because the treatment applies. You don't want the special one. Like I have one patient now that might be a special one. And I'm, I'm thinking like, oh man, like she's been to everything ever and it's not working, you know? Yeah. You Um, don't want the special, you you don't don't want want the like very unusual cancer. Like you want the thing that they say, we know what this is and here's what we're going to do. Yeah. So going back to the trusting Mm -hmm. your treatment team, because I think that's Mm -hmm. such a big part and it comes, there's two parts of it, right? Like you need to pick the treatment team that's good for you and your kid and your family, but also then like, once you pick them, like go all in. Like, do you have any, you know, tips or advice on that for parents? I think the parent really needs to trust the Mm -hmm. team. And I think they do that by spending time with them Mm -hmm. and participating in sessions, Mm -hmm. not going around the back door to sort of say secretly, like, what do you think's going on? And like, what, you know, like, I think it's like, get in it, get Mm -hmm. in sessions, at least in the beginning. And you know, I, I'm going to acknowledge finances are a limitation for some people and there's like nothing to do about that. And there are some great therapists that take insurance, Mm -hmm. but I really think there is something to be said, and this might be controversial, but you get what you pay for. And there is something about like really investing the money in Mm -hmm. people who really know what they're doing. And, and I know that is like not available to every single person, but what I say to my patients is like, can you put a price on your wellness? Mm -hmm. Like, I know it sounds expensive, but like you will pay way more over the long run in, in whatever co-pays, whatever, not, you know, in lost job time and like kids dropping out of college, like you will pay so much more 
when if you find a way to like upfront like really dig in and invest in the team and i think financial investment also can translate into really following through with like what the team mm-hmm. said like i'm not going to pay nina and then not do what she's like that's crazy right. well it's it's the kind of thing of like if you care about it you'd pay for it right like i love Honestly. when my patients tell me like oh i got you know this expensive thing whether it's like a Starbucks drink or, you know, like some like perks or whatever, but they can't afford their medical appointment. And it's like, well, so you don't care about that right now. Right. I think there's the prioritizing and there's also, and I know this is a little bit diverted from your question, but for parents who really needed to use their insurance, Mm -hmm. I asked them to have their kid pay the copay Mm. and they could pay that in the form of like loss, like with, you know, allowance that was not going to be given. But like having a kid come in and give me fifteen dollars, mm-hmm. that also created an investment in a way that like that's another way to sort of have a money yeah. buy in. That's such a good but, point. Like so, the kids realize like the kind of investment their parents are putting in. Um, yeah, or just like I like I don't want to go to the therapist anymore because I got to pay for it. So, okay. or go, so <laughs> let me like that's eat you. some food and oh, like yeah, get yeah. it over with. Yeah. Okay. So here's the other thing. And maybe mm-hmm. you'll agree or disagree as a therapist. But so as a dietitian, I always tell my patients, like, what or I ask them, what are you working on in therapy? Because mm-hmm. if they tell me nothing, I'm like, why are you going? What are you doing yeah. there? Yeah. Right. So I have suggested to my parents in the parent group, not my parents, but like yeah. you know, the parents in the parent group that they ask their kids, not what are you talking about, but like, do you feel like you're making progress, like learning, working on something? Because I do see sometimes therapists and their patients become more like friends, just like the parents can be friends. Like, oh, like the therapist is getting too like buddy, buddy. So like, like to like a check-in, like from a parent to be like, what's really going on here? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like a fine line for parents asking, like, right, you know, like I always right? because you're like, that's their time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it's sort of tricky because on one hand, you don't want your kid to feel like you're intruding on like their mm-hmm. time. Like you want it to be special for them mm-hmm. and also parents be included periodically. So everyone's yeah, talking like together. You have sessions. Yeah. Right. Which is good also because therapists can also like stand up for their kid (laughs) you know you can like be like we're gonna talk to you mom because we together really want you to know what's going on or what we want from you or not want from you um but I think that there is something to be said about like the proof is in the pudding like Mm -hmm. at some point like seeing just observing like something is changing even if it is in the form of your kid seems less anxious they're sleeping Mm -hmm. better they're like, you know, not canceling mm-hmm. things. They have more friends. What you I mean, you can kind of see stuff like that, even yeah. if the food piece is like not exactly on track. Right. Um, but I think yeah. parents can invite their kids to be like, is there, you know, like, how's it going overall? Or like, if you ever want to share with me anything, like, I'd love to know. But mm-hmm. I think it needs to be like very gentle. And so, and I know I practice like this where, I don't necessarily like teach every week, you know, so Mm -hmm. my patients can leave and feel like that was really useful. But then their parents say like, what did you learn? And they're kind of like, they're like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess I get concerned about it with patients 
when I see them struggling with the same thing over and over again and wondering Mm -hmm. like, like with coping skills, right? So like if I have a patient who's binging or purging, right? Like it's kind of, they do that when they're anxious or it was a very challenging time. And it's like, have they learned any other coping skills? And if they tell me no, I'm like, what are you talking about therapy? Like, what are you doing? You know? Um, And so I wonder if that's something parents can ask like concretely about. I wonder if parents could say something like, is there anything I can do to like support what you're doing in therapy, you know, or like, um, is there anything new that you're thinking about or like Mm -hmm. trying like that comes from it? Yeah. Um, I, and I don't know. I mean, I think therapy can be different than nutrition work because you it's give so such clear, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <homework>. <laughs> yeah. um, although I did have, God, I have a patient. She, she has more like pervasive anxiety and OCD uh-huh. and she sees a nutritionist for some, some disordered eating. And her nutritionist yeah. asked her like, what coping skills has Nina given you? And I've been working here for years. And she came back right. and told me this. And she said, I don't have any. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like we, t- you know, like we mm-hmm. have, and I felt, I went through and I was like, we talked about this, we talked about this, yeah. we talked about this, we talked about this. And so like, sometimes I interpret that as like resistance right? and like a little bit like, wait, don't put this on me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, this is not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like maybe like you, I'm sorry, what have we been doing? Right. Um, so we, I'm not, I don't think it's, that is where I think it's like not really as like simple to Mm -hmm. like oh it's it's not you know um I think I said this in your parent group because if we're Mm -hmm. talking about like parents being friends or support or whatever the like yeah your your kid honestly is like probably talking about you to their therapist yeah (laughs) yeah they definitely are I mean I even think about and I'm sure my parents are gonna listen to this but like I think about when I went to therapy and, you know, of course you talk about your parents because those are the ones you interact with. Those are your biggest relationships. Yeah. Those are your most important relationships. So they have the most conflict or tension. And Mm -hmm. that's like, that's not a reflection of the parent. That's just like, oh, these are their primary relationships. But I will say to parents to reassure you that what I am reflecting back (laughs) to them is really how to have a healthy relationship with their parents. Mm -hmm you know, and how do they like communicate and work with and like not take on their parents stuff and how do we like respond and like mm-hmm. there there's productive work that can happen. It's not a, yeah, your mom is like terrible. And there's often like, bring your, bring your mom in. It's that's really important. Like we all talk together, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I often get like the other side of it, which is like, oh, my, my patient's like not reading this correctly and says yeah. more about the patient than the parent. Yeah. When you have those family sessions, right? Like you learn mm-hmm. so much and that's where I love that you were encouraging parents to like be involved, right? Because oh, totally. if the parents never show up, I'm like, well, they don't care about it, you know, or like, I, I just have to believe the kid because I don't know what's going on from the parent's perspective. Um, I see it as like parents, one gets scared that like, the, I'm going to be like, this is all your fault. Which right. I in a therapy, yeah, and eating this in the right. nutrition appointment's a little different, yeah, right. But I've also seen parents that I think wanted they participated in the denial with their kids. Oh yeah, yeah. So there was like we our relationship doesn't really have this eating disorder in it. Like your eating disorder is for Nina to talk to you about, 
Mm. And that was not, that's not useful because it, Mm -hmm. it, it, again, it just like that is the friend support piece of a parent is participating Mm -hmm. in this delusion that like, it's no big deal or like, you know, or you're fine. So here's one last thing I want to talk about. Yeah. are, you know, you have only so much time. So one, (laughs) I could talk about this all day long, Julia. I like, (laughs) good. Okay. So one thing that comes up again and again in the parent group is Mm -hmm. that the therapist said, this is a family systems issue, Mm. but it's not my fault. It's the kid's problem. Mm. How do you address that with families? Because in the group, I've heard so many parents just feel like, the therapist is putting it on me. It's my fault. Like, but the, I, I didn't have the eating disorder. So like, obviously we could explain, you know, eating disorders are a symptom of, you know, something going on in the family. So many but, factors. Yeah. But yeah. How do you explain that to parents or how would you kind of help them through that? Um, I think I talk about it in terms of like, what is your child's behavior trying to tell you? Like they, like behavior is a way we send a message. And yeah. so like, what is your kid trying to say? Um, yeah. And they're often the message is something about pain, pain in their own life, pain in their family, pain in like inheriting, you know, or like sort of absorbing stress and anxiety and conflict from like what's happening in the home. Um, and I, I think that's where it becomes like a family systems issue is to be like, your kid lives in this house. So their eating disorder is not happening in a vacuum. Like it's something's going on what's happening in your family and how do we maybe all talk about it together. And maybe your kid has something to say about that. Right. Yeah. You know, and that, and that like, can we, can we all like get on board and like, listen Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a domino effect of like, yeah. you, you know, when one person's suffering, like their learning and healing and recovery will often generate like some change within the family and change can create a lot of conflict and stress, you know, people right first to change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's tough because I, so everyone who's listened to this podcast knows like I had an eating disorder and like a lot of it was because my brother was going through his own problems and mm-hmm. I have three brothers and you know honestly two of them were going through issues so like I just remember my parents very clearly saying to me well at least you're healthy and at least you're doing great and I was like purging every day so I was like oh right. yeah doing great like over here and so when I think about that I think like that's gotta be the case for so many kids of you know they don't know how to say like this is hurting me too and so they take it out on themselves or they you know do some you know whatever the eating disorder behaviors are but like it, it can't be solved just by them going to therapy because then if they come home and it's the same situation like what what are they going to do yeah no definitely Definitely. And I, I'm not sure how you interpreted like your purging, like what you were trying to say. I don't even know. Like, I just think for me, it was, and things that our family is so like far past this now, it's funny to think back, but like, Mm -hmm. I think part of it was that my parents really wanted to protect my brother's like privacy from the other siblings, but like we all lived in the same house. 
So mm. it was like, you know, they would close the door and have those conversations and things like that. So I think for me, it was like, well, I'm going to close the door and have my like little issue over here. Right. And like that they don't know about kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think like you, there's no way that these eating disorders are just this one kid's problem. No, no, definitely, definitely not. And I, I really support parents going to their own individual therapy, which will often, at least when I'm looking, working with parents, yes, we're talking about literally how to support your kid, but we often kind of pull back and look at like, what's going on in your life? You know, tell me about what's, how you're feeling about you or what's happening in your marriage or your history or your Mm -hmm. upbringing. And I think that is a really amazing compliment. And it models, like, we go to therapy in this family and, like, look at ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and that's not, therapy is not a punishment. Therapy is actually a gift. Yeah. And a privilege. How do you feel, just, like, to help parents out listening to this, about a parent going to the same therapist that the kid is going to? Absolutely not. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) And if a therapist offers to see both you separately, you should fire them and find somebody else. Yeah, I think it's a huge issue. I don't even like seeing the same family members as a dietitian, but it's a little different because it's like, well, you know, mom Mm -hmm. has IBS, we can talk about IBS and it really doesn't relate to Mm -hmm. this kid's eating disorder, but it's weird. It's weird because then, you know, I don't know. You're not only their dietitian. Or- no. And I think it compromises the trust that your yeah. like primary patient, you know, your kid has in the therapist. And even if the therapist says, don't worry, I'm not talking to your mom about any, I mean, it's like, it's they are. too, yeah, yeah, they kind of are. It's too complicated. Um, yeah. And I've had parents and parents listening to this, do not do this. I've had parents sort of like trick me into seeing them where I had a session with them and their kid and the parents showed up in my office and said, Oh, sorry, my kid can't make it. So I just want to use this hour for me. And I think I did that one time and I was like, Nope. And I started, I, I mean, I think it's innocent and it's like done out of like, I scheduled this session. Like I, someone should use it, you know? And I, I think that I learned like that really created a lot more anxiety moving forward forward Mm -hmm. and either I was keeping a secret that we'd done this or or I sort of said your mom came in and we talked but it wasn't Mm -hmm. it was really about her again it was too Mm -hmm. it was like way too messy and it 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 also was I don't know it just I guess that's all I'll say about it not not a good idea (laughs) yeah I think it's a good idea to get your own and it's yours right yeah so any last thoughts or things you would say to parents who have a kid or teen or young adult with an eating disorder that you just feel like, please know this. I want to know that it is brutal and it's really hard and that, um, it's just a complicated, it's a complicated issue for everybody, but there, there are ways forward. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've seen I've seen treatment over and over and over be successful when yeah. parents listen to what I'm saying to them. Yeah. 
And yeah. so like, and I'm not trying to be like egotistical about that. I'm just, I'm really speaking from like years and years of experience working with like really, really symptomatic patients that on some, like if you saw what their lives looked like on paper, you would be like, this kid is never going to make it. Yeah. And they I, can. Yeah, they can. I think about that all the time. I have so many patients and myself, like who you were like, well, you know, you were purging every single day, multiple times a day for years. Like you aren't going to get better, but like you do. And I think anyone for the most part can, it just all those pieces, right. Have to line up for them. Yeah. And I, I guess my last thing, which I've seen as a real struggle for parents is like, if a therapist or nutritionist says we really need to consider a program or like listen to them and it is going to be brutal, but you pause your kid's life and you send them there. Yeah. I think about this all the time because I have this conversation all the time. And so many times parents are just like, no, you know, we're not doing that. But for so many kids, it is what makes the difference. Um, no, and you and I had a patient like oh, yeah. last summer, and we talked to her and her mom, who was like semi kind of peripherally involved. I kind of wish her mom had been more around, but yeah, she, yeah. Um, we said for months, like, this is really available. This is really going to help you. And our client said, no, 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 no. And finally yeah. she went and it was transformative. Yeah. <laughs> and that I see that over and over and over and over. Yeah. And it's like almost like you don't want to wait till it's like a medical crisis because I promise like the residential is better than the inpatient. Um, Oh, definitely. (laughs) And even if, even if you're a parent right now and your kid is in a medically unstable, scary place, it's not, it's not too late, but if you don't have to get there, like don't. Yeah. it, you don't, you just don't have, we don't have to wait until the house is on fire to call <laughs> the fire department. Like there, right. you know, like something's on fire. The toaster, Let's deal yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Well, Nina, thank you so much. This was I really this fun was and helpful. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm last clearly so after. passionate about it. I, I like, oh. I just really, I just, I mean, oh God, I mean, it's torturous, but like, it's such I'm just so passionate about the work because it can you be see so effective. It just makes it all worth it, you know? Yeah. Um, my last question is what's your favorite food? <laughs> um, <laughs> I ask everyone. It's now like a listener. I have to ask it. I feel like you've asked me this before. You know, to be honest with you, I, I can think of several things, but today I want to say cheesecake. I think that okay. is like the best Any particular the type of cheesecake or just you know just like plain old like really good basic cheesecake <laughs> there's just like nothing in the world <laughs> like having okay cheesecake. I could get behind that I actually had never had a cheesecake I liked until this Christmas so um, oh my god how was it what how was it it was good and I don't honestly I don't know that I'd ever even eaten cheesecake but I just looked at it and it made me feel funny until this Christmas so Okay. <laughs> Making progress. <laughs> I don't know. I, how cheese and cake just feels wrong, but now I like it. So, so. good. So good. And if you <laughs> want to talk about a fear food for a lot of people, I mean, that is one that of them. Is it. Yeah. But, not even afraid of it. Just like, I don't know. I, why not chocolate cake? But now, <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm going to stop recording. Okay.